We're on page 36 on the bottom, the beginning of Ace Dalit of the Mimer. And just to recap a little bit, in the Ace Gimel, we spoke about the the sincerity and especially the time of leave, the earnestness, the sincerity of the heart are real kalim for hergish. The receptacles to be able to absorb this idea of hergish, the feeling, the deep feeling of the core of the intellectual concept, and not just the understanding of the entrapments of just the ideas, the details of the concept. And specifically, this simple person has a has able to have a hergish in a Indian in a Dvar Seichel a lot more than the more intellectual complicated person. Because he just because of his simplicity is not complicated by his intellect, he's able to pierce through right to the core of the concept and just feel the amazing and be astonished by the amazingness of this intellectual idea. Whereas the intellectual person he gets caught up in all the details and therefore he gets lost in the details and doesn't appreciate the essence of the concept. And and we explain that this this ability, this feeling of the hergish, which is expressed in astonishment, being totally astonished by feeling the essence of the concept, is expressed really in the expression of the person's face, not in their words. Words are not kalim enough are not receptacles to express this deep abstract feeling that a person experiences when they get the hergish of the concept instead of just expressing the intellectual idea the details of the concept which can be expressed through letters and we said the reason why um, you're able to express this astonishment this this ishtamimus of the flow of the concept the amazingness of this intellectual idea is only expressed through um, a remis through a hint, meaning but just through the facial expressions, except instead of speech, because speech has to come in a seder, has to come in an orderly fashion, organized way. First, it comes from in your thought, then it goes down to speech and different stages within the thought and speech. If you're missing one of these stages, you're going to be missing. Um, you're going to be missing. You're, it won't be a properly organized speech, and therefore, you won't truly be able to express this idea, the intellectual idea, through your speech. Whereas the hergish of the core, the of the core of this intellectual idea, which is expressed through your facial expression at that moment where you experience this astonishing intellectual idea, um, this happens automatically. It's not something that you have to prepare for and you have to, have to organize. And therefore, it's specifically recognizable in the person that has this earnest heart. And the earnest heart is only found in those who are simple people, simpletons, who are not intellectually complicated. Basically, because it happens automatically, not something which you have to prepare and have to organize. And that's why. Uh, the intellectually co- complicated person, everything happens by him. Everything is is, is he is always asking questions. Everything is a process, and therefore he doesn't really get this feeling of this hergish because it gets stopped by his intellect. Whereas the simple person, he is not so complicated. Therefore, he's able to automatically just express this. He's able to feel this astonishment of the concept, the flaw of the dvar seichel, and express it through his facial expressions. And then we ended off returning to what we were speaking about earlier. That's why Avraham Avinu was praised with this midah of toimalev, the earnestness, the sincerity of the heart. Even the he was a great balsichel, a maskel nifla. So why was he praised by this idea? Because he said that a maskel in his inherent nature for a maskel is he doesn't have this timus because he's already complicated in his seichel. He already has this slyness of intellect, which kind of hinders him from experiencing the simplicity, the earnestness of the Tamalev. And that was the whole Maile of Avram, that even though he was a masculine, he still kept within himself this um, Tamalev, this earnestness of heart. And that's the true Maile. 
when they're too shvach, that he was able to bring those two opposites, seeming opposites together. And so he said, besides the fact that these simple people, they have this tamale, they have this earnestness of heart a lot more, and therefore they're able to accept and to receive, to absorb in a, a, a godly ideas a lot more, more than the intellectual complicated person. Besides that, the Indian of Elikos, Getlechait, Nemtich Tzu Ba'aliyidin, is all Jews are inherently sensitive to this godliness because of their godly soul and because they were this Bechiras Ha'atzmus by Matan Torah. And Avraham Avinu, who spent time explaining godliness to the simple people, that was why he was called Nadabin he dedicated, he was donating, so to say, his very life to the cause, which is the great, greatest type of nadivus, because he set himself on the side. It could have been being Isaac and these scholars and understanding greatness of Hashem. Instead, he explained to the simple people who actually are more kalim for this, these godly ideas than the intellectually complicated. And therefore, we end off the love between a, a, a teacher and a student, especially between somebody who guides the person in the, the upright path, is an avasichlis. Because in Ava, which is based on emotions, it gets weaker. But in Ava, which is based on intellect, the more time goes by, the stronger it gets, because the more a person realizes how much he's benefited from this person's guidance. And that's the idea of the, like you said with the Medrash, and a, a love that Hashem could love us for 10 years, meaning all the 10 spheres, including even the intellectual aspects of the spirit of the spheres. And that is all a, a love which is based on still the chain of creation, even though it's higher than emotional love, love from the Midas, but nevertheless, it's still within the realm of the creation, because it's still in the ten spheres, which are limited um, defined entities. And there's even greater love from this of Abra, of Esther Shana, which is the Ava Meir Shana, a love which Hashem loves us from a hundred years, not a love in duration of time, but a love from a, deriving from a certain level of godliness, which is a love which comes from Sphiris Akesar, which is above the chain of creation. However, in truth, Ava Se'ilum Avti, Hashem loves us with an everlasting eternal love, which is a essential love. Therefore, it's eternal. And that's even higher than the Ava of Kesser from Meyashon. Now starting with Dalit. So this is now the meaning. We say in the second blessing in the Shema. In eternal love have you loved us, Hashem, our God. Then the love of Hashem to the Jewish souls is not a love which is for seven years, not a duration of time, but the level of the Midas, which is referring to the revelation of divinity from the level of the seven emotive attributes of Hashem, which is a more limited, contracted level of God, and it's like explaining the difference in the person's relationship with others, a love based on emotions or a love based on intellect. But the love based on emotions is for sure a more limited level of divinity. So the love that Hashem has for us is not a love of seven years, meaning a love which is based on the divinity, a flow of divinity from the seven emotive attributes of godliness. Which the idea of the connection of divinity with the world, how it is funneled, channeled through the midas of Hashem, how it's relating to the world, meaning how this relationship of Hashem and the world through the midas is the way that Hashem conducts the world in a natural way meaning the way that just things are run naturally. The sun rises every day, sets, everything runs by nature. Gravity, all these natural things, this is the way that Hashem conducts the world naturally. That's the flow of divinity being channeled through the Midas, which is just a level of godliness, which is totally hidden and relating to the worlds to the extent which you can mistake Hashem's conducting the world just with Mother Nature and not with a, a godly pattern. And this idea of Hashem's relationship with the person through the Midas is expressed within um, is expressed in the idea of Ashkoch Pratis, Hashem's divine individual providence over every single detail of creation. 
And that is the way that divinity relates to the person, to an individual person, through the Midas. It expresses itself in the idea of Hashem's Ashkacha on the person, Hashem's individual providence on the person. And the special Ashkacha which the Jewish souls experience is even more than the Ashkacha that all other creations experience. Hashem is more watching over and guiding and involved in the affairs of the, the Jewish souls who are chosen by Hashem and have this inherent piece of divinity within them a lot more than other creations. And that is this relationship that Hashem has with the worlds through the Midas, is the Ashkacha Pratis. And in more detail, what is this idea of Hashem's relationship with the, um, the with the person? How it's channeled through the the seven midos, the seven motive attributes of divinity. It is the idea of the midos of the nefesh of the kis. It's the emotive attributes of the godly soul which exists within every single Jewish person. That is this expression of Hashem's um, seven attributes, divine attributes, seven emotive attributes how they are actually becoming expressed within every Jewish soul. That is our connection with the Ava of Sheva Shonim, Hashem's love for us, which is from seven years, meaning the love which derives from the seven emotive attributes of Hashem, the seven emotive spheres, like it says in Tanya, that there is Ishtal Shulam Mehem. Our, our seven emotive attributes in our soul, our love for Hashem, our, our fear from Hashem, etc., Ava and Yira and uh, Tiferes, Rachim, etc., these are all direct descent from the emotive attributes of Atzilus. Not like um, you would say, like a uh, when you plant a seed, how it's a source for the branches and the fruit of the tree, but you don't see a direct connection. This is a literally direct descent from the emotive attributes of Atzilus are becoming expressed within the person's soul. So that's our experience. Our that is the love that Hashem has for us is not it's a not a love which is based on deriving from the emotive attributes of godliness. That's not the extent of Hashem's love for us. It's an avasoylam. It's an eternal, essential love that we're going to say. But first, we're going to go through all the different levels that we've enumerated until that. But lay avashal eserchonim. It's also not a love of ten years, meaning deriving from the level of ten from the intellectual attributes of godliness. Shehi avadesesfides, love which derives through from the ten spheres, including also the three uh, intellectual attributes. Shehi avadesedereishdalshos, which is in general categorized as the love of the chain of creation within creation. So what does this mean? How divinity is channeled through the ten spheres, not just the emotive attributes, but even including the intellectual attributes. How that connection with divinity expressed is itself in the worlds is who inyan That's the idea where it says that Hashem created the world through ten utterances, ten divine utterances, just like the ten spheres. There's ten spheres. There's also each one of these spheres is categorized is is indicated by the ten utterances of Hashem. Um, so that is Hashem's connection to the worlds, how it's channeled through this Av of Eser channeled through the ten spheres, how Hashem is channeling divinity through each one of the ten utterances of creation, um, channeling His divinity through those ten utterances, and how this expresses itself, the channeling of divinity, the flow of divinity through the ten spheres, how it expresses itself in the person's connection, is... It is that the ten spheres, meaning the ten keiches, the ten soul powers that a person has within his soul, from Chochma all the way to Malchus, are a direct descent from the ten um, spheres of Hashem, the supernal um, attributes of Hashem. 
So the Avra of, Avra of Sheva Shonim is the fact that our emotive attributes of our godly soul are a direct descent from the emotive attributes of Hashem. Here, it's including how Hashem connects with the world with all the ten spheres. How basically, like it says, the ten spheres Hashem brought out from Himself. He was metamitzim himself into basically these specific forms of the ten spheres of Chokma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Vurtiveres, all these different spheres to connect to the worlds, to direct the worlds, to conduct the worlds. And how Hashem relates to the world through uh, intellectual way, etc. These spheres are the channels through Hashem relating to the creation, which is expressing the idea of the ten utterances of creation. And within our soul, it's not just that Hashem's emotive attributes are expressed in our godly souls, but also all of the divine spheres are expressed in the Koychas and Nefesh. Even the intellectual attributes are a direct descent from Hashem's intellectual spheres. But the connection that Hashem has with the Jewish souls is not just defined by this connection of the ten years, meaning a, ten, a connection of the ten spheres to creation, which is even higher than just the connection of the emotive attributes of creation. It's not even expressed in a love of a hundred years. Which this is the love which Hashem has, which derives through, which is channeled through the spirit of Keser. Which transcends the chain of creation, meaning a love of godliness, a love from Hashem, which is a flow of divinity to creation, from a level of divinity which totally transcends the limitation of creation. The Inyanabu'ilam, which that that connection Hashem has with the world, that was expressed within the worlds, who That's what it says in the Targum of Yainasan on the Torah, when he's translating the Bereshis Bara Likim, Hashem created the worlds. What does it mean? Bakadmin Bara. Bereshis could mean not just that in the beginning of Hashem's creating the heavens and the earth the heavens and the earth, etc. He created light. Bakadmin Bara. It could mean that Bereshis means Bakadmin. Through the primordial, through the primordial level, Hashem created the worlds. Which this refers to the revelation of divinity into the worlds, the divine energy into the worlds, how it is stemming from above the chain of creation. And that's what it means. Bakadmin bara. Kadmin. The 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 description kadmin has a lot more a deeper. It refers to a lot deeper level than just the idea of tchila, or um, the beginning, or the first. Kadmin refers to a level of divinity which totally is a primordial. It's from the word koidim, comes before the chain of creation. So this is Hashem's connection with the worlds, how it's being channeled through Kesser, which is a level of divinity which transcends the limitations of creation. And that means, like it says, not just the ten utterances that Hashem creates the world through ten utterances, meaning how he relates the world to the ten spheres, which are already defined limited levels. Here we're talking about Hashem's connection with creation, how it stems from a level which totally transcends creation, which that is how Hashem creates the worlds from a level of divinity which is above the, the realm of creation. The revelation of godly energy into the worlds, how it is before the chain of creation, higher than the chain of creation, higher than limitation. We're on page 37 at the top. Meaning the way that Hashem conducts the worlds in a way which totally transcends nature. Meaning the miraculous things which happen within creation, that stems from that level of Hashem's connection with the worlds, how it's the hundred-year love, the level of connection from above the chain, the limitation of creation. And it's expressed within the worlds when we see miraculous things which don't make sense in nature happen. And this level of divinity flowing into the worlds, how it's transcending creation from the hundred-year love, from the Kesser, how it's expressed in the person's soul, he this refers to the fact that divinity is now becoming planted within our soul from a, such a level which transcends all limitation, transcends logic. That is the love 
It's the love, the desire of the heart, and the essential pleasure that a soul, a divine soul has, of a person has, which is above the which is above the soul powers which come in a enclosed way. Meaning, all the rest of the powers the person has, from Chachm all the way to Malchus, these are all ways that the soul of the person, the divine soul, expresses itself through these channels, through these specific um, soul, sp- spiritual channels. The soul can be channeled through the koyach of chesed and it expresses itself in a love for Hashem. The soul can be channeled through the um, koyach of chokhmah and expresses itself in the person's basically experiencing an initial flash of understanding the greatness of Hashem. Bina, the soul expressing itself through the power of Bina, now digesting the ideas of God, the, of the greatness of Hashem. And then that's all how the, how the soul is enclosed within the specific koiches in an internal way. It's relating to a specific idea, the idea of chokhmah, the idea of chesed. But then there's this idea within the soul which surely transcends any internal enclosement, meaning it, it transcends any limited powers. And this is the essential desire and the deep essential pleasure that a, that his soul has in godliness, not based on any reason, not based on any um, expression of the soul, how it's already become limited and defined into specific channels of expression. This is just the soul's inherent, deep, essential pleasure and deep desire that it has to connect to its source, to Hashem. And it's above these specific expressions of the soul through these specific channels of chokhmah, of chesed, etc. So that is the connection that this level of divinity of meyashana, of meyashana, the level of divinity above creation, above the chain of creation, how it becomes implanted within the soul of the person is the fact that a person has this inherent, essential love to uh, godliness. So even though that this level of this, which is stemming from the level of divinity, which is transcending creation, are very high, sublime levels in love and pleasure within godliness, levels, levels of love for Hashem, which totally transcend logic, which are just in essential, deep levels of pleasure in godliness, not based on any reason. Nevertheless, in addition to this type of love, which is a love which is based on keser, a love of divinity which transcends creation, Hashem loves us with an even deeper level of love, a more essential level, a, a eternal love. Hashem loved us, Hashem our God, which is an avanitchis, an eternal love which lasts forever. Why is it lasts forever? Because it's a truly essential love, something which is essential, not coming from anything which is produced by the person, therefore lasting forever, because it's something inherent within the person, just like the love between the father, or the parents and the child, it's not based on reason at all, it's just based on the fact that the, the son is a product, is, has a, is a product from the, the parents, he has a piece of the parents within him, therefore there is an essential love that the parents have for that child, and will last forever, nothing can get in the way of that love, No, nothing that the child can do will take away the inherent love that the parents have for the child. So too, the fact that we have this piece of Hashem's very essence with, implanted within our souls, within our godly souls, therefore there is any, an essential love that Hashem has for us, which therefore it lasts forever. Nothing can get in the way. Nothing that we do can hinder, can dampen that love. Like it says, No, not many, many waters, meaning anything that we do, any problems that we're experiencing will never take away our love for Hashem and anything that we do will never take away Hashem's love for us because that love stems from something very essential therefore it will be eternal
And then even though we just said that this previous level of love, which stems from the 100 years, which is the level of Kesser, it is already a love, which we said um, is transcending all of creation. And in the soul of a person, it means the Rus Liba Iniga Atzmi. It's this deep desire that a person has, a essential pleasure that a person has in godliness, which is above all the specific channels of the soul. So L'Chayda, is that not this synonymous with this idea, this Ava Atzmis? Nevertheless, since it stems from Kesser, which even though Kesser's level is transcends creation, but we're still defining it as a specific level of divinity, which another place I've said this explained, that's the Ratzin of Hashem, Hashem's desire. But there are deeper level, levers, levels of divinity because this level of Kesser, of Ratzin, is still a level. It's a level which you can talk about, which you can define. The fact that we can define it means that it's not Hashem's very essence. It's not the abstract essence of Hashem. You're giving definition to a specific level, even though it's above the chain of creation, above the definition, the symptom of creation, yet it is still a defined level. It's a, it's a level which transcends the limitation of creation, but it's still a defined level, which we can talk about, which you can define. We can put a certain seer and hagdara to it. So therefore, it's not truly an essential love. It's a love based on and limited to a specific, um, a specific seer. And higher than that level of Kesser, there's, there's even deeper levels of godliness. And the very essence of Hashem is something which we can't define at all. And that is this level of the Avas Oilam, the eternal love, which is from the, stemming from the very essence of Hashem, even higher than the Meyashona, even higher than the level of Kesser. Now, going back to the idea of Rachim, which is speaking about in the previous Maimorim, <coughs> and the two reasons for Rachim, Rim or Hergish, being exalted above, removed, or the empathy. So every single type of love, whether whatever type of love it may be, and we've just talked about three different types of loves, of the Midois, of the Moichin, or of um, a level which transcends the chain of creation, transcends the regular powers of the soul. So any type of love, whatever it is, is it is a reason, a source, a cause for mercy, or feeling of compassion. The love, is the reason, the cause, and the mercy, the compassion, is the um, outcome of that cause. And like the known rule that, that any um, anything which is an outcome of something, it's always it's always similar to the way, meaning similar to the essence of the cause which brought it about. So this rachmim, whatever these different types of rachmim, which are drawn from these ahavas, they must be different according to the specific cause which brought them to be. So the ahava of Sheva Shalim of Midas will produce a rachmim, which will be a certain type of rachmim, similar to the type of, of, of ahava that produced it. And the ahava of, of Esher Shalim based on Seichel will be a rachmim, which is similar to the Seichel type of love, etc., so too, we can apply this to the t- three types of love which we've just spoken about, which are causes for the three different types of mercy. That the mercy will be the fi'oifen will be similar to the cause which produced them. That now to specify these three different types of loves and the rachim which der- derives from them, so it's not it won't be comparable. The feeling of compassion which was produced from the ashkocha pratis, this love of of Sheva Shalim, which how it relates to the world is how Hashem is Mashkacha Pratis, how it relates to the um, the Nefesh Adam, sorry, how it relates to the Nefesh Adam, how Hashem's love is channeled through the seven Midas. So that love is expressed in the Ashkacha Pratis, in the individual divine providence that Hashem has in every single 
a Jewish person. So the mercy, the compassion, which will pre be produced from that love will, will not be similar at all to the compassion which is produced from the love of Esther Shonim, which is the Gili Kechaz Nefesh, the love of Hashem, how it's expressed in the revelation of the soul powers. Like we said, that the Ava of Esther Shonim, um, Esther Shonim is, how it's expressed in the Nefesh Adam is the ten Kechaz Nefesh, how they are a direct expression, a direct chain-like descent from the ten soul powers, the ten uh, supernal spheres. So the Rachman, which will derive from that love that Hashem has for us, will be a different type of Rachman also. And also the Rachman, which is produced from um, these two types of Rachman, which are produced from the Ab of Sheva Shalom or Eser Shalom, will not be similar at all to the compassion which is produced from the revelation of the the third type of love, which is Hashem implanting within us this this essential deep desire which we have for godliness and this essential pleasure which we have in godliness. So this type of love which Hashem loves the Jewish souls and which because of that love is produced within us this av, this rusid liba, this desire of the heart which transcends logic, that type of love that Hashem has for us will produce a different type of mercy altogether from the other two types of um, mercy which are produced from the other loves. She matana which this um, this ava of the Rus Liba Ab Tanugim is a it's a, a a service of Hashem which is called a matana, a gift from above. It's a only produced in the person because of revelation from above. It's not something which he can bring about. Meaning it totally transcends his Kaikhsanafish, his individual powers and his individual ability. So therefore the Rachim which also which is produced from that will also be something which is totally above his uh, limited framework. That's all still relating to levels of, of compassion, of mercy, which are produced from, which are outcomes from Ahava, love. Because every Ava, whatever it may be, whatever level it may be, will produce a Rachmim, which is similar to the Oifin, to the way, to the specific makeup of that love. Each type of love producing a different level of Rachmim. Obviously, each one going from lower to higher will be a higher type of Rachmim. But that's all relating to the idea of Rachmim. Now we're going to get to higher love. What about the love of Ava Soilam, the eternal love, which is essential, coming from the very essence of Hashem to the very essence of the Jewish soul, what type of mercy will that produce? Which is not the case when we're talking about the pro the product which is produced from the love, the essential love, which is the source for this this uh, this outcome, is a chemla. It's called chemla. Another word which implies compassion or pity or mercy. But it's a different word because it, therefore it must imply a different level and it is specifically this type of rachmim, this feeling, this outcome from the Ava Atmis. Well, this, this type of, of mercy, of pity, compassion is in a lot higher level, even from the highest level of rachmim, which we just explained, the rachmim, which is produced from the Ava of Meyashanim, the Ava of Meyashanim, which is from Keser, which is the Ava, which is expressed in the soul as the Rusliba of Abba so this type of love, this type of rachman, which is the outcome, direct outcome of the Ava Atzim, the essential love, will be on a lot higher level, and that's why it's called a different term of Chemla. The idea of Chemla is expressed in two ways. Something that you have Chemla upon, pity or compassion or mercy, is on something which is very, very special on a very high level, very sublime, very lofty, and very good. Like something which is very precious, its existence is very precious. It's not so. It's not so common. It's not so 
found, and therefore you have chemla on it. On such a thing, you can apply the term chemla. Like Shol, and it says in the story that he had mercy, pity, compassion upon, and uses the word chemla, and specifically the best of his flock of sheep. So chemla can apply to something which is the highest, most um, elevated, and best, something which is very precious and not so common. That's something which you can have chemla upon. is the second idea which chemla applies to. Something you can have pity, mercy, this chemla, on something which is very weak or very soft, meaning uh, the opposite of something which is very precious and very nila, something very weak. You have pity on that, pity on that person. He's so weak, he's so lowly, um, therefore I have pity on it. And that's the, now we can understand the continuation and the specific order of this blessing, the second blessing is Shema. It says, I eternal love, everlasting love, has Hashem, our God, loved us, referring to the essential love. And then it says directly after that, right after that, a great and abounding mercy, your Chemla, has Hashem had pity upon us with this Chemla. That this eternal love is not similar to the, all the other loves which we've spoken about before of Shevashon and Meshashon and Meshashon, which bring about, which produce Rachmim. This type of love, this Avaatim, central love, brings Chemla. Which is a lot higher level than regular Rachmim, the mercy. And that's the reason why we request all these aforementioned requests, specifically in the second blessing of the Shema, when we're already speaking about the highest level, the deepest level of love, the essential love which Hashem has for us. Therefore, on account of that, produced from that, we're asking all the requests in this second blessing because we're basically, they're stemming from the highest level of love and therefore we can have get the, the highest level of mercy from them. And if we want to truly be able to uh, bring about these requests, the best way to produce them, to actualize them, is from the highest level love. When we are speaking about and arousing the highest level love of Hashem, which is deriving from the very essence of Hashem to the essence of the Jewish souls, that will produce the highest level of mercy and therefore will also bring about, more likely to bring about, all these requests which we have. And that's why specifically we talk about these requests in the second blessing of the Shema. Whereas in the first blessing we ask for Hashem's mercy also, like we spoke about in the previous Mimer, but those are relating to different levels of mercy, which are all pr- products of love, different levels of love, which are not the essential love. Whereas in the second blessing, when we mention the essential love, which produces pity, even higher than mercy, therefore, that's why we request all the requests here, because this is where we can actually get them actualized, these requests. Like we request all the different things. Please let us understand your Torah properly, Shiner, um, let us cleave to your commandments properly. All the different things we request are specifically more found in the second blessing in the Shema because that's when we're speaking about the highest level love therefore will produce the highest level mercy which will therefore produce the best outcome and after we request for mercy from Hashem for all these different ideas which we're asking for then we come to this prayer at the end of the blessing and the second blessing of the Shema please let us not be embarrassed let us not be another word for embarrassed shamed and let us not stumble forever and ever. So that was something which we spoke about right at the beginning of this mimer, which is the Dibra Maschal, the mimer. And it said 
in the beginning of the Maimur, all these requests are replying to the service of the heart, which is prayer. And that is what, after we request all the different requests of mercy in the first blessing of the then we say in the second blessing, please have mercy upon us. And then we mention Hashem's great chemla, His great pity, which is a higher level, which is produced from the Avaselam. And that is because we're talking about the Avaselam. But now, after all these requests of Hashem's mercy, from this highest level of, uh, of mercy, the chemla, then we come to this request of what does this mean? A couple questions here. You have to understand what is this double this expression here. We're saying different expressions which mean the same thing, seemingly, which is just embarrassment. Please, Hashem, let us not be embarrassed forever and ever. So why are we saying repeating the same idea? Because busha, so now to understand, busha, embarrassment, which is the first thing, is the person embarrassed by himself when he's just by himself. And then the klima, shame, is when a person is put to shame, is embarrassed in front of a public audience, in front of a bunch of people. So busha is a person's feeling of embarrassment that he has to himself, personally, in his own life. He feels embarrassed about things that he, do, he does, and things which were not um, fitting for him to do. And, and, and klima is when he, when he actually feels and he gets embarrassed in front of people. And this verse says, Boishti, I have embarrassed, they use the word busha first, which is implying personal embarrassment, and even I have nichlamti, meaning I even have put to shame, which is implying that it's a higher level, it's more than just busha, it's implying that it's in a, in a broader term, including even in public embarrassment. That I have basically taken the embarrassment of my youth. So, what do we see from this verse? That klima, this shame, this word is a lot a greater embarrassment than busha, and that's what we see because it's something which is implies a public embarrassment, whereas the busha is just personal embarrassment by yourself. So we have to understand what are these two terms, and are we're talking about in our service of prayer that we should not have busha, embarrassment to ourselves, and klima and, and public embarrassment that we're asking from Hashem. So what do they mean in our Aved Hashem? What are we asking for specifically? What are we? What's the kavana here? What's the intent? What are we speaking about? And then why, after all these two terms of embarrassment, we're saying and let us not stumble, which we're saying them only after the embarrassment and the shame. The question is seemingly It should have been in a different order. It should have been first, let us not stumble, and then. Let us not have public embarrassment, and let us not have his personal embarrassment. Then we would understand the, the content of what this what we're asking here. Please, first Hashem, save us, guard us from stumbling blocks. We shouldn't stumble and go against your will and do things which are not according to the Torah. In order that we should not have this public embarrassment, which is the biggest one, and even if the stumbling block is something which is a lot more minor and not something which you should um, have such a great embarrassment of shame in front of in public because of Hashem should still guard us from something which is more minor a lot smaller um, stumbling block transgression that we should even not have the lower level of busha so that seem, that seems to be a lot better order of things please Hashem um, guard us that we shouldn't have any stumbling blocks 
first of all, this we shouldn't stumble on the more serious sins, more serious stumbling blocks that would bring to klima, and even please Hashem guard us from the smaller stumbling blocks, which should not even we should not even come to a busha. So it makes sense. You say, please Hashem, first of all, guard me from the more intense, more chomerdika sins, more more serious stumbling blocks. And please, even if you could, please, even from the more minor stomach blocks, that I should not come to even the lower level of busha. Uh, but when, like we do in our blessing, we say, first prefacing the terms of embarrassment, and then only afterwards we mention, and let us not stumble. So we understand here that the michel, the stumbling block, is actually a continuation product of the busha and the klima. Not the other way around, that we please don't let us have these michshel, the stumbling block, in order that we should not come to busha and klima. Here, it's, it's said the other way around. So that means that the, the michshel, the stumbling block, is actually a hemshech. It's coming as a continuation from the busha and klima. Meaning that through the things which cause a person to have this busha and klima, these two types of embarrassment, afterwards they also cause a michshel, a stumbling block. And this type of stumbling block we're talking about here is a leni kosher leilambud. That loyal and void is applying to specifically the last term of michshel. It's a stumbling block which will be forever and ever. But seemingly, how could we say that there's a michshel which will last forever? A stumbling block, a transgression which could basically cause a person to be separate from Hashem forever. We know that there's nothing which could stand in front of a person who returns to Hashem if they real repentance, a authentic repentance. So that therefore there can't be a stumbling block which will last forever, which will eternally cause a person to be distant from Hashem. So that's a lot of different questions here. Why the order of the busha klima and then the michshel, which seems to say that the, that this uh, through the things which cause busha and klima, then automatically that will also bring to the michshel to the greatest stumbling block, which will last forever, and that doesn't make sense. How could we say that a stumbling block, meaning a transgression, which will cause a person to stumble off the right path of Hashem, the Torah's path, will last forever? If a person does authentic tshuva, he will be able to come back to Hashem, and it won't be an eternal stumbling block. And you have to understand what these specifically requests. What are we referring to in our this Hashem? of busha and klima, these two, two, two types of embarrassing, busha not as big, referring to more minor things, and, and, and klima referring to even a public embarrassment. What do they mean in our Vedas Hashem? Vehine. So now to answer these questions, let's get into this more. All these requests of, <coughs> all these requests of Leini Kosha, um, we pray and we um, supplicate before Hashem, we ask for Hashem's mercy that He should save us from this embarrassment and from these stumbling blocks only after we first preface our request for Hashem's mercy in the, in the two blessings before the Shema. In the first blessing we spoke about, the previous member spoke about a lot. And then the second blessing is the new type of, of mercy, which is the chemla, deriving from the avasoilam, the essential eternal love. So only after requesting all these different types of mercy in the first blessing and the second blessing, do we come to the end of the second blessing of the Shema. And we, spoke, we speak about these requests of, please, Hashem, let us not be embarrassed and let us not stumble. And now we're going to get into the general definition of rachmim, which we spoke about already in the previous mimer, the two sources for the feelings of rachmim, which is a feeling of mercy and pity. One could be the the person who is feeling the mercy is totally murumim, is totally removed, exalted above the subjects of the mercy. Or the second is because he's so close to them, he feels such an empathy for them, therefore he feels what they're missing. Therefore he has rachmim upon them. 
So this is basically a re repetition of what we spoke about in the previous Mimer. And basically the point that we're saying here is that in order to understand these requests of at the end of the Lesson of Shema, we first have a whole theme of Rachmim, of requesting Hashem's mercies, and the highest level of Rachmim, of Chemla. So let's understand a little bit more and repeat the idea of mercy to understand how these requests specifically come after the idea of mercy, of Rachmim. When we understand the idea of mercy better, we'll be able to understand why we're requesting these ideas after the theme of mercy. So now to explain the general idea of Rachmin, of mercy, there's two things which cause, which bring about Rachmin mercy. And this we spoke about in the previous Mimer. One thing is the exaltedness, the upliftedness, the, the entity which has the mercy is very uplifted, removed from the subjects of the mercy. Be so removed from them that they seem pitiful in his eyes, therefore has mercy on them. And the second thing which causes mercy is the opposite. It's the feeling of closeness and the empathy that the person has on the subject of mercy. He feels his matzah, feels what he's going through, therefore he has empathy, therefore he has mercy for whatever he's missing. In their essential ideas, what they what these ideas are, the these two causes for mercy are diametrically opposite. Um, they're totally opposite. Remus, like I just said, it's totally you're removed from the su from the subject of the mercy, and Hergish is you're totally close to him. You're feeling his state. That the empathy, the feeling of the other person's matzav, that comes on account of the the kirvah of the closeness that the the margish, the person who's feeling with the person, with the subject he's feeling, with the subject he has empathy for. There's a closeness between them. Whereas the other reason, cause for mercy, this remus, that the person is very removed from the subject, that becomes from his, because he's havdolas he's very removed, very far from the subject that, we, that he's being merciful upon. And the difference between these two um, reasons for mercy and the two types of mercy that derive from them, who the hergish who sibas The empathy is the actual direct cause, the direct reason for the feeling of mercy. Whereas the other cause for mercy, remus being uplifted, exalted, removed, that mercy is a just a natural thing. The like we said, that there's a nature ingrained in the creations because that is the nature of Hashem. The nature of the uplifted person is to be drawn, is to be attracted to the lowly person. So, so the reason for the mercy which is drawn from the Remus is not because of the actual Havdullah, because of the removedness of the person. It's rather the reason of that mercy is because just an ingrained nature in reality, in creation, that the high person is nimshach to the low person. Whereas the mercy which comes from the Hergish is a direct product of that, of that Kiruv. So we see there's a difference. It's not the the direct product of the of the um, kiruv is the rachman, whereas in the other type of mercy, the remus is not the direct cause of the mercy. It's the teva. And being that these two causes of mercy, of the hergish, the feeling of closeness, the empathy, and the remus, the removedness, they are different in their ideas, like we just explained. The one of them is Havdala Sadakh and Kirvadakh and the the mercy which comes from them is totally different also because with Tevo or because of the actual closeness. So meaning that they're different in their ideas and their definitions, 
And each one of them causes the same thing of mercy, it causes the same type of feeling. But we must say that being that they're derived from different inyanim, different causes, they must have also the mercy which is produ- produced from them it must be different. That the feeling of mercy which is derived from the empathy that a person feels close to the other person and the mercy um, which is derived from being totally removed from the subject of mercy must be totally different. That, that feeling of, of, of rachim itself must be different because it comes from a different cause. If, if the cause which is bringing it about is different, therefore the product, the, the, that which it produces, must be different. So in first glance, what is the difference between these two feelings of mercy? Who the rachim haboyim the hergish is that the the rachmim, the feeling of mercy, which comes from the feeling of closeness, from the empathy, it's both to poor people and to rich people equally. That you feel what that person's going through, and you feel their matzav, and you can relate to even to the to the rich person, and realize what he's missing. What's his chisarin? It's obviously a chisarin, which compared to the poor, the poor person is not really considered a lacking, but since you're feeling, you have empathy for that person and you feel what they feel they're missing, so therefore you can even have mercy for the, for the rich person. And the poor person, obviously, can also, you can understand what he's missing. And the, the, the rich person might be missing something. Um, he might be missing physical, uh, I'm sorry, spiritual riches. And the poor person might be missing um, physical riches, but they both might be missing something. So you can, you can have a mercy because you're relating to them, you're understanding what their matzav is, their personal matzav is, that you can have mercy for both of them. Whereas the mercy which comes from the remus, from the exalted state, is only to the poor people. Because we said, because the teva of the merimum is to be nimshech al-shafel. The, the nature, in great nature, is the high person to be attracted to the low person. But the ashir is not a low person. So therefore you would think that this rachim which comes from the remus would not be to the rich person. That that's only at first glance. But the truth is that the the quality, the superior quality of rachmin, which comes from the remus, is actually a lot more than the rachmin which comes from the hergish, because actually the rachmin which comes from the remus, from being exalted above the subject, is actually to everybody, to every subject equally, and a lot more, being that it's deriving from a lot higher level within the person, and a lot higher person, like we explained in the previous mimer. The rachmim boim inside the hergesh, the the rachmim, the feeling of mercy which comes from the feeling of the hergesh, which you're feeling that person lots of his you have empathy for them. The machsere shall chaveire, and you feel the lack of your friend. Hadi ene deim the machsere shall ani the machsere shall asher. So then you'll come to the realization that the that that which the poor person is missing is obviously not comparable at all to that which the rich person is missing. The poor person deserves a lot more mercy than the rich person deserves, because he's literally missing bread on the table whereas the rich person okay fine he, he he's fine but he has little things which he's missing out on and because you're relating to him you have empathy for him and you understand and you put yourself in his shoes you can feel what he's missing but his missings his, his chesreinus are not as intense and as serious as the chesreinus of the ani but now and there you have a feeling of mercy to each one according to what he needs in his capacities in his in his specific matzah from page 38 now but when you're talking about the mercy which derives from the feeling of being totally actually of being totally removed from the subject of the mercy from that level the ashir and the ani are totally equal the, even the richest person is compared to this level 
uh, like we said earlier about the king who's totally removed from his subjects, the highest minister and the lowest person in the kingdom are exactly equal compared to him because we're not talking about a person that's everybody else. His is it's not comparable at all. He is on a different realm from all from these subjects, and they're all equally equidistant from him. And like we said, another we said that the king he, in one moment he could take away all the riches of the biggest minister and make him to an ani. So therefore, everyone's like an ani before him. So before the Ramimus, uh, everyone's equal. So the Rachim Even the richest person is really just pitiful. And being that we're talking about on account of, from the perspective of this this essential removedness of Hashem or of the king. So he has equal amount of mercy for the um, rich person just as much as he has for the, the poor person. Ah, the poor person needs more than the rich person. Yeah, but from the perspective of this which totally not something else. It's merema. It's It's essentially removed, meaning it's in a different realm altogether, not comparable at all to the subject. So therefore, the the usher and the ani is totally equal. It's totally nothing compared to this level of remus. Just like a million and one are both equidistant to in- infinity, because infinity is in a whole different realm. It's not a number, so therefore they're all considered nothing compared to infinity. Um, so too, so too, compared to the Rebbe, so this king or of Hashem, everyone deserves mercy, and and the mercy is way more abounding than the mercy which comes from the Hergish, which will be only the fi'erich how much you you decide that person needs, and they're com- comparable to their matziv. But when the, the, the Rachman, which comes from the Remimus, is so intense and so huge because it's coming directly from the this level of Remimus, from Hashem's very essence, or from the King's very essence. And therefore, he sees everyone as the most poorest people. Everyone gets an equal amount of Rachman. So with that, we'll stop from top page 38, the beginning of Ois Hey.